Hey guys, we wanted to put in a listener discretion for you. This episode does contain some sexual abuse, emotional abuse, abuse of children. If these topics are in any way triggering or distressing for you, or there are children in the room, you may want to proceed to the next episode. Otherwise, we're so happy that you joined us, and we really hope you enjoy this episode. the what if i told you podcast where we eat french toast sticks from sonic and uh talk shit particularly on uh, assholes like keith ranieri that son of a bitch we'll get into that here in a few minutes we're gonna get right into that Ugh. ew Alrighty, so we uh didn't spend a lot of time in the breakfast nook today because it's it's evening time, and it is Saturday, November 28th, so we had yeah. some Thanksgiving obligations right. happening. So we uh, we went to Sonic. Can't go wrong with Sonic, especially their breakfast. Their breakfast food is so underrated. It, it really is. You know, I think Sonic food in general is underrated. Yeah. Because um, give me a Sonic corn dog any day. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we had French toast sticks with some syrup, mm. and it was lovely. Everyone I know that lives out, not everyone, I don't know a ton of people that live <laughs> out, out of state, um, but some people I know that live out of state that don't have Sonics are always so excited to come home to eat Sonic. Yeah. And I think I get that. I also get it. It's so weird when you live in one area for so long and then you live somewhere new. Yeah. Like entirely new. Whenever I moved to Virginia, I missed Quick Trip. Yeah. Because they have Wawa out there, which Wawa is awesome. And Loves, which we have Loves now. We have Loves now. But Wawa was like the Quick Trip of Mm -hmm. the East Coast, or at least where I was. And I had to like adjust and figure out because you know... When you go on a quick trip, you know what you're going to get, pretty much. Like, if I'm going to get food, I'm definitely going to get those, like, corn dog, stickless corn dog things and maybe (laughs) an egg roll. I haven't had quick trip food in a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Also, every time I drive by quick trip, there are just thousands of people there. Yeah, everyone here loves fucking quick trip. It is so intimidating to me. Yeah. My stepmom's theory on this, whenever she and my dad used to, before she got sick, she and my dad used to drive a semi-truck over the road, like, Mm -hmm. as a team with their poodles, like, the (laughs) most precious thing ever, Uh, and they would always stop at Quick Trip because they have the cleanest bathrooms. Oh, yeah. That's That's true. She's, like, hands down of all of the gas stations that we would stop in to, like, get snacks or whatever, Quick Trip, cleanest bathroom. I would say out of the gas stations in our town, 
besides the new one. I haven't been there. I have not been inside the new one. We live in a town that has four gas stations, but the town is also only probably, I don't know, how many like square miles do you think this town is? Not very many. Not very many. Like the population eight? is under 9,000. Definitely under 9,000. But we have four gas stations, I think. Mm-hmm. Kings. Whatever the fuck everyone calls that one. Casey's. No, five. Because Temp's the new one. Temp Stop. Yeah. Casey's. Yeah. That one. Kings. Oh, okay. Five gas stations. There are two things you're definitely going to find in this town. Gas stations and churches. Oh my gosh. That's all we have There here. are so many churches. I, I, like, off the top of my head, I could probably think of at least eight or nine. For sure. Yeah. That is insane. It's really insane. My but, grandparents are responsible for starting one of those. That's true. It's that's beautiful. True. It ha- It's probably the nicest one here. Yeah. I mean, honestly. It probably is. It's it's super nice. They fucking did that shit. A lot of the decor in there is my grandma's. That's so adorable. I know. Oh, I love my grandma. Oh. Precious. That's all for the breakfast nook. Yeah. That's, that's it. it. <laughs> that's it. I will say, speaking of living in Virginia. Yeah. And I don't know how long it's been here, but my first ever Chick-fil-A experience was in Virginia. Hmm. Nothing cool like that around here. I mean, we have Chick-fil-A, but not in this town. Just, right. Just like you said, gas stations and churches. We have to drive about 15 minutes to have a spicy chicken. Yeah. At least we have Sonic. At least we have Sonic. It's really the only thing this town has to offer. That's true. If you hit the Taco Bell at the right time of day, there is a guy that works at this Taco Bell, and he is the coolest dude ever. Older guy? He's probably 40s. Okay, that's the guy I'm thinking of. Yeah, and he always gives us a senior discount. Hell yeah. And then usually knocks a couple bucks off for our weight. Which Which you never never have to wait. Yeah, and then gives us way too many sauce packets. Yeah, we have a lot of Taco Bell sauce here. But I can tell when he's not working because Taco Bell is really our go-to. We're not cooking dinner, let's get fast food. Yeah, Taco Bell's the go-to for sure. And that happened... Wednesday night, so a few nights ago, he wasn't working clearly, got home, there's no fucking sauce in the bag. Those dicks. We ate Taco Bell with regular grocery store salsa. It's just not the same. It changed the whole experience. Yeah, it it really bums me out whenever I get, when I order food, and I am really bad about not checking before I leave because I'm, I'm, I'm in a hurry, like... Even if I don't have anywhere to go and I'm just trying to get home, like... To eat it. I'm in a hurry and I don't, like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Um, I don't like lettuce in my taco. Mm. Like, I like lettuce in a salad, but I don't want it on my taco. I only like lettuce on tacos if they're from Taco Bell. I don't put lettuce on tacos at home. Yeah. I won't get it at a Mexican restaurant. I don't... I always get my tacos with no lettuce. And it's the most disappointing thing to get home and have <laughs> fucking lettuce on my taco. That takes a while to pick out, doesn't it? Yes, and I always pick it out. I'm, I don't just suffer through it because I am okay with lettuce. Yeah. I pick that shit off because 
I want to enjoy my taco. You know, we're at some point we're going to have to change the breakfast nook to just the food nook because yeah. now I want Taco Bell. Damn. Me too. And I have so much food in this house. Like, for me to go out and eat is just stupid. I have ate so much food in the past few days. I just feel like a piece of garbage. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Okie dokie. The food portion of this episode is now over. Because yep. it'll it'll go on and we'll never get to the topic. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was uh, talking to my friend Michael the other day and we were talking about Bob Berdella. Oh, yeah. And we were talking about the dude that bought all of his shit. Oh, yeah. Once he was arrested. Mm-hmm. And he sent me a snap and he goes... So, yeah, after listening to you guys talk about food for 20 fucking minutes, I finally started listening to your Bob Berdella episode. (laughs) I was like, hey, listen, we love food. Yeah, maybe one day we'll do a spinoff podcast and it'll be just food. It'll just be (laughs) called The Food Nook. And Maybe we could get the Keto Guido on here. Keto Guido? (laughs) Skinny Vinny? <laughs> oh, I like shit. that both those things rhyme. <laughs> that's the that's the most perfect thing ever. Oh my it's, gosh. It's so fitting. And I just hear it in Polly D's voice every time. Mm-hmm. What's up, Keto Quito? <laughs> <laughs> I just want them to email us. Oh my god, Polly, please email us. I know I would, you have a girlfriend now. <sighs> I would pass away. I would. Like, legit pass away from pure fucking shock. We would have to have our understudies come on and continue this (laughs) podcast because we'd both be dead. That took a turn. Oh, shit. Okay, so business. For today, we actually have a mail portion. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We got our first freaking email. Ah! It was so fun. It was from one of our listeners, Courtney. Courtney! Shout out to Courtney. We, listen, I wish we would have been in the same room with each other when we discovered this news. Yeah. It was just earth shattering, but like Christmas morning. The purest kind of joy. It is screenshotted, will ever be saved on my phone. Yes. Yes. I was at work. Is screenshotted a word? Or would it just be screenshot? Screenshot, yeah. Fuck. But, you know. And thanks to Courtney, she gave us a episode request. That's right. We will be doing that, I'd say, in the next... Couple weeks, yeah. Couple weeks, yeah. maybe. Uh, we are perpetually taking requests. Yes, please. And recommendations. So if you have any of that shit, we're taking them. So yeah. toss them on. Thanks, Courtney. Super appreciate that. Um, we also have a correction from our friend of the podcast, Chip. Chip. Um, so in episode three, we were talking about a group of ravens. And I said a group of ravens is a murder. And that's not true. A group of ravens is an unkindness. And a group of crows is a murder. That is so, so weird. I... An unkindness. unkindness. It's so, it's, I like it. I like it a lot. You I know, because a, a raven is like a, is like the more intellectual version of a crow. So right. they're unkind. Right. Crows are murderous. It's so funny because Chip and I are pretty close in age. He's my cousin, for those of you wondering. I'm sure I've said this 
And we come from a family of country musicians on our grandfather's side. And so basically growing up, we were always, you know, sitting around listening to the picking and grinning, as our family would call it. <laughs> My dad played the guitar and sang and um, his dad, my uncle, I think he played the fiddle. I can't remember. It's been so long. But we were always kind of the outcasts of the family. Because, you know, Chip, as a teenager, was your typical, you know, scene skater kid. Mm. And it's just so funny. Yeah. I so mean- I knew that he would be super into this shit. Yeah. He was so fucking excited. <laughs> I was like, shit, he's proud of me. Oh, thanks, Chip. <laughs> and I did receive um some mail mail, like physical mail. Yes, you did. From my friend Shannon. She was super thoughtful and sent me some um nails. What color street? Color street. I don't, yes. She sent me some color street. They're beautiful, like deep, deep red, sparkly, which are going to be amazing for the holiday season. I'm obsessed with color street where every week of my life. Yeah. You and Lauren, both huge proponents of the color street. I've tried it once. I super fucked it up (laughs) and gave straight up gave up. So I might have to hire your services to get those on so that they look right and they do Shannon justice. So thank you, Shannon. She sent a little note that said, congratulations on your podcast. It was super heartwarming. So sweet. Um, so that was awesome. And I told my brother-in-law and his wife, uh, they were at our house last week for, uh, we watched a live podcast of your mom's house with Tom Segura and Christina P. I don't actually listen to that podcast on a regular basis. I love Tom Segura, and mm-hmm. I also love Christina P. The live podcast? Holy shit. <laughs> uh, don't watch it with your mom, uh. or your dad, or your grandma, or your kids. <laughs> There's dicks aplenty. Okay? But they were over at her house, and they just talked so much about the podcast. They've been listening to all the episodes, which is super awesome. So thanks. To Dal and Bree. I love that. So we super appreciate that. It's really good to hear that we don't suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if everyone we knew was just like, yeah, I hate it. It's the fucking worst. <laughs> All right. So we can't linger because this episode could get lengthy. It could get lengthy. Because today we're going to be talking about Nexium. Ooh, The sex cult. What up? Like the most recent cult in our history. Yeah. Legit a few months. Weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Weeks ago. This came to a conclusion. Okay, so Nexium is uh, kind of an um umbrella term. Yeah. It was kind of structured like a company with kind of subgroups underneath it. Right. So within Nexium, you also have ESP... And then you also have DOS. And a shit ton of other ones. There's so many others. Those are like 
the major ones and the ones that we are going to spend the most time talking about today. Nexium was founded in 1998 by a guy named Keith Ranieri, and he went by the name Vanguard. So Ooh. all the people in Nexium called him Vanguard. Yeah. So hold that in your pocket. His co founder was Nancy Salzman, and her name was Prefect. And yes, you heard that correct. Prefect, if you're familiar with British boarding school, that's where that's from. Yep. Don't know why they landed on that. Yeah, that's very random. It's super random. Maybe they're HP fans. <laughs> I hope not. Um, yeah, and I literally next to it said, What is this shit? An English boarding school? Question no. mark? Yeah, these are fucking adults. One of my main like questions originally, like before I got into any of the research, any of the documentaries that we're going to talk about, I just wondered, what does Nexium stand for? Because mm-hmm. it's also not spelled out. It's like all caps, N-X-I-V-M. Mm-hmm. So it's just pronounced Nexium. I don't I think they were probably trying to just be kitschy. Yeah. Yeah. But... In one of the articles that I read, it said that uh, a whistleblower from within Nexium offered the theory that it refers to Nexium, a type of contract used in the Roman Republic in which people agreed to offer their body as collateral for a loan. And if they defaulted on that loan, they became a slave of the person who loaned them the money. That seems like a really deep explanation of that. Yeah. So that could be a reach. It it, it seems reaching. And it, it does fit. It and does you guys fit. will know later on in the episode. But yeah. a little bit of a reach. It, it definitely, it's definitely a stretch, I think. So um, that's like the bare bones basics of Nexium. Yeah, it's um very convoluted, and you're going to find out why, because now we're doing the timeline, and it's literally the longest timeline I've ever seen. It's like three times the length of any we've done so far. Yeah, and it's all of it's necessary. It's all incredibly necessary. So I'm going to start out by going through this as best I can without it sounding like some list. Um. But really, that's kind of what it is because of all the shit that happened between 98 and 2020. Yeah. So in 1998, Keith Ranieri and Salzman founded Nexium as a personal development company offering executive success programs, aka ESP, and other self-improvement techniques. Ranieri said the main goal of ESP was to help people experience more joy in their lives. And this sounds wholesome as shit. Yeah. I mean, when you're really looking at Nexium as a cult, it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. It is legit. This cool ass program. And that's a big thing right now is becoming the best person you can be. Yes. And... At this, you know, in 2020, everything is so... Obviously, this was 
not in 2020, mm-hmm. but if this were happening today, I could only imagine the amount yeah. of people that would be interested. I feel like the scale of the what happens between 98 and 2020 would be so much larger yeah. if it were happening from like 2010 to yeah. now because yeah. people over the last 5 maybe even 10 years is it's been much more self-improvement making yes. sure that the self is where it needs to be so that you can then be the best you for the people around you. Yeah. Which is what they're peddling. Yeah. And nothing about this seemed fishy whatsoever. No. And no. And that is so fucking sad. It's it's so sad. And I feel like I'm a super skeptical person and it would be hard for me to get sucked into a cult. But when I watched The Vow on HBO... That first episode where they're really just showing you what it what this is. Yeah. It I was like, I I could have been susceptible to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm I feel like the biggest cynic on the earth, which yeah. I'm I'm not, obviously, but I feel like it and I would still like be sucked into that. Right. Yeah, me too. So by two thousand three, now this is only five years. Yeah. They had over 3,700 people take part in their ESP classes. These classes included many highly successful people, business people, an Enron executive, a former Surgeon General, government officials from Mexico, actors, actresses, so on and so forth. Yeah. So this was like blowing up. Yeah. People who were already successful were going to these classes to be more successful. Yes. And it was, there were a lot of actors and actresses. A lot of people whose names you would know. Oh, yeah. A lot of big names. Yeah. So in that same year, 03, Nexium sues the Ross Institute for Copyright Infringement. Cult investigator Rick Allen Ross, who is a baddie. That's what's up took excerpts from the Nixia manual and published three critical articles on the group and described these techniques as, quote-unquote, expensive brainwashing. Yeah. And I could see how he could make that assumption through his investigation. Yeah. But watching, there's so much of these classes on tape because Mm -hmm. there are so many people in film. Yeah, and because I think, again, we have a leader who is an extreme narcissist. Yes. And he wanted all this shit filmed of him saying shit. Yeah. So he just wanted himself filmed. Right, all the time. All the time. Ross got the manual from a former member of Nexium who had signed an NDA. Which they all had to do. Um, yes. Which is suspect. It is. It is a little bit. Nexium filed suit in both New York and New Jersey, but both were dismissed and the ruling upheld in the Court of Appeals. Nice. The court found that Ross was not replicating the information as a competitor, but transforming it into criticism of the practices. Right. Which is what, like, literary criticism is. Right. 
you're 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 criticizing shit. Yeah, like it makes sense. And as long as you're citing it to the original, like yeah. you're fucking fine. Yeah, exactly. In October of 2003, Forbes publishes an article about Nexium and Ranieri. The members got super upset about the article, and um, specifically because the article was calling them out as a cult. Yeah. And obviously, when you're in something like that, you don't think it's a cult. Right. Because it has never seemed like that. Yeah. So. And most of the members were, like, wildly faithful. Yes. Like. Very. They were in it. Yeah, they were. Edgar Brompman, head of the Seagram's Empire, is quoted in the article as saying, quote, I think it's a cult. Both of his daughters were heavily involved in Nexium, and their emotional and financial investment into the group was concerning for Bronfman. Mm. He had also not spoken to his daughters in months. Yeah. And in the article, it like goes on to say Nexium was responsible for the estrangement. Like, yeah. In his mind, that's which I mean, yeah, true, probably. Yeah. And when we say Seagram's, we mean like the liquor. The liquor, y'all. So you can only imagine how much money those sisters had. Yeah. And they. They had access to so much money, so I I would venture a guess as to say they were involved in the Seagram's company. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, otherwise, how would they get their, like, they're not just getting their trust fund money out. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were, but they were older, too. Well, and these classes that people would sign up for at ESP were fucking expensive. They really like two, they, three, four thousand dollars. Yeah, they are. More. I put a cost breakdown in here. Okay, cool. Because yeah. that, it, yeah, when that's I, probably the only thing that would have driven me away. Yeah, now, me too. I'm not someone who's. This is gonna sound like I'm a garbage human again, <laughs> but I'm also not like looking for ways to improve myself. But if I lived in an area like New York. Mm-hmm. Where this was, well, the main headquarters were in Albany. Albany. I would probably be more proactive in that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. That probably would have been the only thing that would have held me back is how expensive it was. Yeah, I would never spend that much money. No. Like, ever No. on that. There's so many other things that I would rather do with that amount of money. Yeah. Um. I'm not necessarily one to, like, I don't really read, like, self-help books or, right. you know, it, it's not that I think they're bad. I know a lot of people who really get a lot out of them. But yeah. if I'm trying to, like, be better, it's easier for me to set goals for myself. Like, yeah. make I make a lot of book lists. Like, these are the books I'm going to read in the next three months. Or, um, like... I'm going to, it's my goal to write 500 words a day of yeah, whatever and, it is. And you accomplish things differently. Right. Obviously. Right. When you're just going over like what Nexium ESP are, you don't think, oh, this is a cult. Yeah. It's definitely not like on the the surface of it when you're just looking at just that, it does not seem like a cult. Not at all. In 2006, Forbes publishes another article, and this time it's about the Bronfman sisters, Mm -hmm. 
and says they reportedly took out a $2 million line of credit for Nexium, and the loan was repayable by Nexium through training sessions and phone calls with co-founder Nancy Saltzman. Damn. The fuck? Yeah, so they basically are like, here's $2 million, now just pay me back in training sessions and phone calls. Yeah, because there was the Stripe path. Yeah. So basically people get into ESP, Nexium, whatever. They're becoming great people. And then they like move up ranks, mm-hmm. coach, blah de blah do yeah. classes. And eventually... I can't remember what level it is that they they start getting, quote unquote, paid. I think Proctor. Yes, Proctor. You're right. It's the green sash. Yes. Yeah. We'll talk about the sashes a little more in depth, but think of it in the way you would think of like martial arts belts. Yeah. That's kind of the idea. And they even talk about that. Like that's where Ranieri got the idea. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of the idea of the sashes. In 2006, Smallville actress Kristen Kruick became involved, and she recruits her co-star, Allison Mack. Ooh, she's gonna pop up a lot. Yes, she is. Mack soon becomes an avid participant, Mm. supporter, and eventually high-ranking member of Nexium. When Smallville wrapped up their production in 2011, she moved to Albany to be close to the headquarters. So she Mm. was very committed. Yeah. Very committed. Okie dokie. In 2008, we are graduated. (laughs) Um, The Bronfman sisters allegedly pressured Stephen Herbitz, a confidant of their father, to ask Albany County District Attorney David Soros, New York Governor Elliot Spitzer, and New Jersey Attorney General Ann Milgram to open criminal investigations into Nexium's critics. So not only are they, like, looking to, they're, like, sue happy. So sue happy. They're pursuing people who are criticizing the company. Yes. So Nexium reportedly kept dossiers on Soros, Spitzer, political consultant Roger Stone, U.S. Senator Chuck Schumer, and Albany Times Union publisher George Randolph Hearst III in a box in the basement of Nancy Salzman's home. Weird. Very weird. They're tracking people who are hating on them. Yes. Didn't they have a team of people who would keep up with these articles? Yeah. Yeah. They were, like, on the offensive. hmm And no one questioned why. And they had attorneys, like, in their pocket because the Bromfin sisters were deep in that money. Yes. So they had attorneys, like, at the ready all mm-hmm. the time. Um. So according to the Times Union... Nexium developed a reputation for aggressively pursuing critics and defectors, people who left Nexium, um, including using litigation to punish critics of Ranieri, the organization, or its training methods. So even if people don't necessarily have a problem with critics, or not critics, 
of Nexium, the company, if they're criticizing Keith Raniere, mm-hmm. they're, they're like aggressively pursuing those people as well. Yeah. Which is a sign. That is a sign. The leader of a group shouldn't be the most important person. Right. He shouldn't be like a deity. Yeah, exactly. We're, this is David Berg all over again. They are the same people. So in 2009, the World Ethical Foundation's Consortium, Consortium, I like Consortium better. Um, an organization that was co-founded by Ranieri and the Bronfman sisters. So I think this is something that's going to be under that Nexium umbrella. Yeah. Um, so Ranieri and the Bronfman sisters founded this organization. And they sponsored a visit to Albany by the 14th Dalai Lama in 2009. God damn. So, they're really pulling out the big guns to get this group validated. Yeah. So, they're seeking that validation so that people will hopefully stop criticizing them. Yeah, and that's a good move for, that's, like, the press to see. It is. It is. Um, now the, the visit was initially canceled because of negative press. But then it was rescheduled, and the Dalai Lama spoke at Albany's Palace Theater in May 2009. So I'm guessing they said, we're going to sweeten this deal a little. And he was like, you got it. Yeah. Because they Um, paid the Dalai Lama for that. They paid him. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. A lot. I think they tried to make it seem like he reached out to them. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you guys are doing great things. I'm Uh going to come and see you. No, 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 no. Dude got hella paid. So in 2010, another Times Union article was published and former Nexium coaches characterized students as prey mm. for Ranieri's sexual or gambling-related proclivities. Ooh, ooh, one of my favorite words. <laughs> proclivities. I learned that word from the one and only... Professor Minerva McGonagall in <laughs> HP 7. Well, actually, technically, it was the eighth movie. Uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2. Shout out to Emily. She still <laughs> hasn't finished. We're going to finish this fucking podcast, and she still won't know what happens. <gasps> Even my eight-year-old is mad at me about this. I know. Me, He's K- so mad. Caden's been texting me like, yo, <laughs> pressure. Put the pressure on. All right. Shit. Uh, yeah. So Kristen Keefe was a longtime partner, I think romantic partner, yes. as they shared a child. So clearly romantic partner of Ranieri and the mother of his child left the group in 2014 and called Ranieri, quote unquote, dangerous, saying all the worst things you know about Nexium are true. So the article was published in 2010, but... She came out in 2014 kind of confirming the 2010 article's claims yeah. that he was using Nexium students as prey for his sexual gratification Lit. and his financial gratification because he was taking their money as well. So again in 2010, not sure exactly what part of the year. It's really hard to discern exactly when DOS was created. It's another 
subgroup under the Nexium umbrella. Um, it was created as a secret women's only subgroup of Nexium, like highly secret. Um, Allison Mack from Smallville was the originator. Um, and she came into the picture around the 2009 timeframe. Yeah. It had to have been after that that they started DOS. Right. So I'm not totally sure when, what year DOS came into the picture. Yeah. But sometime after 2010, we're seeing DOS. And that's where most of the dark shit actually happens, which we'll talk about very deeply later. It gets real dark. Oh, it's the fucking darkest. So in 2014, Ranieri founded the Nexium-affiliated news organization, The Knife of Aristotle. Okay. Jesus. Don't compare yourself to Aristotle. Jesus Christ. Uh, later, it was known as The Knife and The Knife Media. It was subsequently described as a fake news website and a cult. The organization also reportedly hired journalists in an attempt to gain media support and solicit new members for Nexium. And it also fabricated staff members. So look, making it look like it was more of a thing than yeah. it was to legitimize itself. Um, there was a lot of that happening. Yeah. Fake legitimization. 2017 in June, starting with reports from investigative journalist Frank Parlato and reinforced by a New York Times article, allegations and details emerge about DOS. We'll go into details about that later, but 2017 is when we really start to hear the rumblings of the seedy underbelly of this organization. Yeah. Frank Parlato in 17 was really who uncovered this shit. He's yep. like, boom, here it is. Um, in December of 17, ABC actually aired an expose with interviews from former Nexium members, including Sarah Edmondson, who is a prominent feature of the Vow docuseries on HBO. Yeah. And Catherine Oxenberg, who's also on the Vow. She yes. was the mother of India Oxenberg, who was one of the DOS victims. That airs in 2017. In March of 18, Ranieri is arrested and indicted on charges relating to DOS, including sex trafficking, conspiracy to commit sex trafficking, and conspiracy to commit forced labor. He pled not guilty in May. Shortly after the arrest of Ranieri, that same year, Albany properties were seized and Nancy Salzman's home was raided. April of 18, Allison Mack was arrested and indicted on charges very similar to Ranieri. She was released on $5 million bond on April 24th of 18. Um, Nexium headquarters are moved from Albany to Brooklyn and led by Claire Bronfman in 2018. Just a bit after that in July, Bronfman, Nancy Salzman, her daughter, Lauren Salzman, and Kathy Russell are all arrested and charged with racketeering and conspiracy to commit racketeering. Bronfman later posted a $100 million bond. Jeez. What the fuck? Jesus, dude. How do you have a $100 million bond to post? Oh my gosh. That makes me want to throw up. Okay. 2019, both Salzmans pled guilty to their charges. 
And in April of 19, Mack pleads guilty to the reduced charge of racketeering. Bronfman pleads guilty to harboring an alien and identity fraud. And she is sentenced in September of 2020 to six years and nine months in federal prison. And Russell pleads guilty to visa fraud. Now, I don't think, I know Allison Mack has not yet been sentenced, even though she's pled guilty. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Kathy Russell has been sentenced, even though she has pled guilty. Okay. And the Salzmans have also not been sentenced. So. Shit takes so long sometimes. Court stuff takes a really long time. It's not surprising to me that they haven't been sentenced, especially because most of 2020 has been a fucking... It hasn't existed, basically. Yeah. We're not doing shit. Thankfully, we took care of Ranieri in 2020. Yeah. He fucking got what he deserved, <laughs> he, he dude. He fucking got it. In May of 2019, Ranieri's trial begins, and in June, he is found guilty of racketeering and sex trafficking. In January of 2020, a federal lawsuit is filed against Ranieri and 14 others of conducting illegal psychological experiments on members of the company and of abusing them. In October of 2020, Keith Ranieri is sentenced to 120 years in federal prison. Fuck yeah. That's what we like to hear. Woo! That was just last month. That was so... So recent. Oh my gosh. So everybody take a bathroom break. That timeline was fucking (laughs) long. So now that we've covered the timeline, we're going to go ahead and hop into how Nexium operated as an organization. Yes. So this gets deep from here on out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So take her away. So... To put it in easy terms, Nexium kind of worked like an MLM pyramid scheme ish. Yes, yes, they were. Recru- yeah, they recruited members. Mm-hmm. They then told members, "You can move up, get yeah. paid. You're going to be the best." They pushed recruiting. Yes, at all, like in all areas, in all the subgroups. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, because people were putting every dime they had into this organization. And all the time they had. All the time. And so, obviously, they're going to try to work up to fucking Proctor or whatever it's called. Yeah. Because at the first, like, couple of sashes, you're not making jack shit. No. You're just spending all your time doing this. Yeah. Wasting your money taking these classes. Yeah. And you're not getting compensated at all. Yeah, you're taking classes. You're even, like, coaching people. And they are pretty much forced to recruit other people. Yeah. And it takes up all their fucking time. And they have no money. Because they're still paying for their own classes to continue to move up the ladder. Yeah. Classes that are thousands of dollars. (sighs) They also had a 12-point mission statement. Which Um, I couldn't find the full of, by the way. Yeah. I, it's weird. Yeah. Not super weird, but Not, it's weird. Having a 12-point mission statement in itself is weird. Yeah. This was recited during the classes. It included members pledging to purge themselves of all parasite and envy-based habits. Mm. Um, Not sure what the fuck that's supposed to mean. Yeah. And also pledging to enroll other people. 
and Mm. to ethically control as much of the money and the wealth and the resources in the world as possible. Uh, (laughs) Weird. That that last one. Okay. That is so fucking crazy. I'm controlling about $40 currently (laughs) in my wallet. Same. (laughs) So an ESP executive success programs there was a five-day initial training which is basically watching videos doing some shit some exercises they did this thing called an em which is an exploration of meaning Mm -hmm. it was weird it's weird to watch it Um, it it is weird to watch it. it they have you like close your eyes and think about like one of their fears or like a terrible experience or how mm-hmm. they feel when something happened to them. And they like claim to like erase that from you. Yeah. It's kind of like clearing a blockage. Yeah. Meant in your like mental. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so ESP was a series of training classes supposed to help you break through your own fears and unlock your full potential. Perfect. So that, so that sounds great. And that's really what drew a lot of people in. Yeah. Because people were having these breakthroughs. Yeah. There was a lot of psychology behind that, obviously. You're right. And Nancy Salzman was a psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. So she's fiddling around with people's fucking brains. Yeah. Real cool. The technique, which was coined by Ranieri, was called rational inquiry. So that's basically just asking and answering a bunch of questions. Yeah, it, it's a, he's trying to dress it up, but really it's just the person who is performing the EM on someone who's got the blocks. Yeah. They're just asking you a series of fucking questions. Yeah, like you would in during, therapy. Yeah, in therapy. That's, that's what this is. Yeah. So to get deeper into EMs, um... This basically involves senior members of Nexium questioning the participants as they go into their childhood. This was supposed to be a tool to help them overcome traumas, phobias, blotty blah. Mm-hmm. Intensives were more specified classes done after the initial five day. So that's usually when they would have to sign up again. Yeah. To keep going. Right. And intensives were usually 16 days long. Holy shit. Each day being 12 hours long. That's... What? Yeah. Who just has 16 days... I know. ...to just do this shit? <sighs> That's so crazy. That's so fucking crazy. So, now we'll talk about the cost. And this is just the cost of the first few weeks. Yeah. So the initial five day. Yes. The one you come into. Mm-hmm. $2,700 ish. I can almost pay off what I still owe on my car for that class. Yeah. Now the intensive, the ones that were about 16 days long, $7,500. That's so fucking crazy. $7,500. I could buy so many things with $7,500. You could take a luxury vacation you could take a 16-day luxury vacation yeah you could go to europe for 16 days and you the 7500 dollars that's gonna cover your airfare your lodgings 
and your fucking food. That is so crazy. Go on vacation, guys. Don't pay $7,500 to join cults. So, at the end of the day, 16,000 people went through the Nexium classes. And that number is relatively small, considering that they were in operation for almost 20 years. And much of the high-ranking membership was made up of affluent people. So, yeah. the actors, the business people. Right. So on and so forth. And we talked about before the ranking system. Right. Um, and this is really the pyramid schemey part of it. It is the pyramid schemey part of it. So, you start out as a student and you have the white sash, mm-hmm. which is the exact same as, like, karate. You right. get a white belt. Right. And then... After you attend so many classes and spend so much money, you get the yellow sash, which is a coach. And then you have to get like four stripes. I think so. And then you get to be a proctor with the green sash. Or no, do you go to orange? There's an orange sash in there. I think it's white, yellow, orange, and then green. So yeah, I couldn't really find it anywhere yeah they don't fully explain it in they don't talk about it at all in the seduced docuseries yeah and they talk about the sashes in the vow but it's not it's not super in-depth yeah they don't they don't lay it out and say this is this is this is this yeah i mean it's you get the general idea yeah it's it's the exact same concept as like a martial arts yeah and what would happen is these people would be working so hard to rank up. Yeah. And they had to work so, so hard at it. And then nothing would happen. Nothing right. would happen. So then they would, like, seek help from, you know, the higher-ups, you know, Saltzman, Ranieri, mm-hmm. whoever. And they would kind of turn it around and be like, well, it's kind of your fault that you aren't ranking up. Yeah. Uh, maybe you need to go get an EM. Yeah. Going, maybe you need to go get an EM is like a phrase that so many people were told. Like yeah. if you're having any type of negative feelings, if you're having any type of issues in your life, whatever it may be, the only answer is maybe you need to get an EM. Yeah. So or, it made them feel like they are not good enough. Yes. And that whole psychological battle that they would have with themselves would just push them further and further down yeah like obviously something is not working i'm not working hard enough at this so now i'm going to just fucking destroy myself yeah that's exactly right and that's something that india actually talks about in in seduced is like she was doing so much she had two phones she's doing all of this shit yeah trying to recruit everyone she knew not even getting paid for not this shit even yet. getting paid so she's devoting all of her time and energy to nexium and she has to find tiny side gigs here and there so she can fucking eat yeah and she's still not like ranking up it's crazy yeah and like they also had this idea of people like you're only a victim if you allow yourself to be a victim. Oh, yeah. Which... I forgot about that. It's like, there are no victims, therefore I will not choose to be a victim. Like, you choose whether or not... That's so much fucking bullshit. No. Like, that's... 
That was it. That was like a huge thing they talked about. Like, well, now you're just playing the victim. I hate that so much. It, it's so fucking or, terrible. Why, like, why do you think you feel that way about that? Yeah. Why? Why do you think you feel that way? Fuck you, dude. Yeah. I feel how I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it, the psychological breakdown that happens happened to these people is astonishing to yeah. me. Yeah, and just over time, slowly, slowly. Yeah, it's that little tiny, like, ebbing away. It's like er- it's like erosion. Yeah. You don't feel it happening, but then one day, the Grand Canyon just exists. Yeah, yeah. It's so fucking sad. It's so sad. So, there were two women's groups. Quote-unquote women's groups. And the first one was... Jeunesse. Yeah, uh, this name is fucking stupid. Stupid. And they never even say why they call it Jeunesse. No. No. Um, this was another women's only subgroup of Nexium. Mm-hmm. According to the New York Times, Ranieri started Jeunesse in 2006, and it targeted women in Nexium. The name Jeunesse didn't mean anything specific. Um, a member described it as, quote, a made-up word that we are defining as we define who we are. Yeah, that sounds like some bullshit. Yeah. I mean, okay. Janessa's website no longer exists, but Glamour reported that it was decorated with pink and purple accents and proclaimed to be a woman's movement that facilitates an ongoing exploration of what it means to be a woman. Mm. One of Janessa's most high-profile members was Smallville actress Allison Mack. Uh-huh. Who raved about the subgroup in a 2013 YouTube video. This is a quote from Mack. Working for Janessa is the most gratifying thing I've ever done. <laughs> it is the most challenging because it consists of working with a group of people who are interdependent. No one is ever punished or told that they're doing wrong or they're bad. So that's weird. Yeah. That's just a little weird. Um, yeah. So it pretty much seemed as if the opposite of that is true. Correct. According to witness testimony, Jeunesse members were allegedly taught that women are irresponsible, if not narcissistic, self-absorbed, and inclined to cast themselves as the victim. When they started talking about fucking Janess and Doss, I was like, dude, I was sitting right here in this chair watching it on my computer and I like wanted to fucking like break shit. Dude. I was like rage monster in this oh room. Oh my God. Even when Keegan and I were watching it, he was like, what in the fuck? And this is a group of women. Yeah. Believing this shit. Saying this shit to each other. Yeah. What? I wish you could see our faces right now. It's just, it's complete, it's, I'm astonished and livid and borderline want to commit acts of violence. Yeah. Like, it is so ridiculous what went on in Janice. And this is another instance, once we get more into DOS... The combination of Janess, Doss, and then the men's group, SOP. Oh my fucking god. Oh. It's, it's, 
it's another instance where we're where this whole system is targeting women. Yeah. Ranieri was slowly easing people into these ideas mm. that, you know, A, there are no victims. Fucking fuck off. And this is what men are like. This is what women are like. Yeah. But the fucking cool thing is that an 11-day workshop in Jeunesse cost $5,000. Oh, my God. So they're paying so much money to, to be, be told, told they're pieces of shit. Yes. And they fucking believe it. Son of a bitch. All right. Well, okay. So DOS, this is where the real shit fucking goes down. So DOS is an acronym and it's a Latin phrase, Dominus Obsequious Sororium. Now, this is purported to be a secret society within the umbrella of Nexium, quote, for women who are serious about being strong women. No. That makes me sick. No. The last major, this is the last major group Ranieri created within Nexium. Um, according to Glamour, the initials in Latin, stand for Lord Master of the Obedient Female Companions. It should have been a tip-off, although I'm sure most of these people don't speak Latin. Right. Because it's kind of a dead language. But that is sinister. So the the group was comprised of women, all women. All women. And they had a master-slave relationship. So, and members had to give collateral to join the group. So, most of the members of DOS were approached by someone who was currently in DOS. And with someone who was typically very close to them. Someone who was typically very close to them. And obviously weren't like, yeah, this is what it's really about. Yeah. They all, they were super vague. They were like, hey. I can't tell you until you give me collateral. There's this thing that I think you would really love, would really benefit from. I can't tell you what it is Mm -hmm. because it's super secret, but if you give me some sort of collateral, which was typically something like a nude photo or some of them did financial documents, because collateral is an ongoing thing in DOS. So they would have to keep coming up with collateral as they progressed right and some people even just made shit up some people made stuff up like said their father molested them when they were young yeah even if it wasn't true and that was held by their master so if they ever left they could release it right so in order to even be told what das was you had to give them collateral um and usually that first one was nude photos yeah why the fuck would somebody need nude photos of you if it wasn't for something sexual? Yeah. Well, and then here's my thing. If it's this big, you know, empowerment movement for women, becoming a true woman, because at this point they're they're in Nexium so deep. Yes. Like they trust it. Yes. And so why wouldn't they feel comfortable with giving other women nude photos of them? Because, you know, 
we need to be comfortable with our bodies, blah, blah, blah. Like, let's accept ourselves. Let's become more than we already are. Yeah. So, yeah, nude photos is kind of like your foot in the door. Yeah. Um, they were also allegedly, I think this is pretty much confirmed, but we're going to go ahead and say allegedly, um, put on near starvation diets. I think um, the typical diet that we were hearing about is about 500 calories per day. Which is absolutely not something you should ever do. No. Oh, my God, no. My my body, I calculated my BMR so that you know, I could figure out what I should eat per day. My body needs 1,600 calories yeah. a day just to be alive. Yeah. That's not counting if I'm exercising. Right. Just to be alive. 1,600 calories a day. That's 500 calories per meal. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, babies <laughs> eat 500 calories a day. Yeah. So that's crazy. So all of the people in DOS are on these near starvation diets. And they were also required by their master to ask them via text if they could have whatever they were going to eat. If they were going to eat a handful of blueberries, they would send a text, Master, can I have this many calories? Yeah. What the fuck? That's so insane. The idea of this and the idea of... Somebody consenting to this and being like, I don't think that and these people were okay with it. Yeah. And then they just did it. And then at this point, these other people have all this collateral. Yes. And they're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And I think what India Oxenberg said is, you know, some people said stuff about their families or whatever, like made stuff up mm-hmm. because they had to do like collateral every month. Yeah. The master would be like, collateral, get me collateral by like 5 p.m. or something. And yeah. you would have to figure it out. Right. So India said that she would either do like nude photos or she would make something up about herself. Yeah. Because I think at that point she was she was questioning and she knew that this was not okay. Right. She just didn't know how to get out, which was probably the case with most of these women. Mm-hmm. And so she was like probably trying to figure out how she could get out and she knew that at that point whatever was said about her she was fine with but she couldn't say anything about her family yeah which fucking props to you bro like that's legit to have that kind of headspace when you're in something so fucked right you know especially when you're on a starvation diet like your brain will not work no so um they were also branded With a cauterizing tool. Dude, that is what, like, really gets me. Yeah. Because they even, like, put a blanket around that shit. Oh, let's go get branded. This symbol represents the elements. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. We're a fucking sisterhood. Yep. Turns Turns out out that's not what it was. (laughs) It was a mashup. If you look at it straight on, it's AM for Allison Mack. You turn it on its side, KR for Keith Raniere. God fucking damn it. Fuck. And I think a lot of them were told that they were getting tattoos. Mm. And it turned out to be brands, which wildly fucking different. Having a cauterizing tool. And it wasn't like a fucking like 
made up iron brand. No, it was not like a whoop whoop. Yeah, it wasn't like a cattle brand. No. It was like a a pin. Yeah. And I think it was India on the Seduce documentary that said it took like 30 minutes. Which is fucking insane. If not longer. Yeah. And it, it's like, it basically burned it into their skin. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's, it's disgusting. And it's just, I just can't even, I don't. And it's big. It's, yeah. And they big. were told that it wouldn't be like any bigger than a quarter or something oh, yeah. like that. It's easily it's the, the size of a fucking baseball. It, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's definitely like the top of a 32 ounce drink. Yeah. It would fit in that. It's yeah. huge. It's big. And they have to have it for the rest of their fucking life. Like you mm-hmm. could probably have laser treatments done to like smooth out that scar, but. Jesus. Yeah. So much worse than a tattoo. Like I've gotten like so many. And it does not hurt that bad. Like, getting burned? Way worse. Ugh. So, uh, yeah. And Ranieri referred to this group as a sorority. And Allison Mack, who was basically the highest ranking member of DOS. Yeah. So, basically the setup of DOS, which most people, as they were brought into it initially, did not know that Keith Raniere was even involved. Yeah, because it was supposed to be all women. It was supposed to be all women. So they were told he was not involved. Right. That he S- didn't even know about that it. That he didn't even know about it. So secretly, Keith Raniere was the grandmaster. So he's at the top of the pyramid. And then his first line masters were Allison Mack, Lauren Salzman, daughter of Nancy Salzman, and... Uh, a few the Bronfman sisters, maybe. I'm not really sure. Yeah. So Lauren Salzman and Allison Mack were slaves to Keith Raniere. And then they each had their own slaves yeah. under them. So like India, Oxenberg, Sarah Edmondson. Sarah Edmondson didn't really get into DOS very long. Like that's when she started, when she got into it under Lauren Salzman, she kind of pumped the brakes and was like, all right. Yeah, what the fuck's going what, on? Yeah, this is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And that's when she fucking bailed. Mm-hmm. So, but they, Sarah and India were like second line slaves. Yeah. So, whatever. Um. So they unknowingly were slaves to Keith Raniere. Right. So, there's that. Doss was pitched as a group... That was about women coming together and pledging to one another a full-time commitment to become our most powerful and embodied selves by pushing on our greatest fears, by exposing our greatest vulnerabilities, by knowing that we could stand with each other no matter what, by holding our word and overcoming pain. Alrighty then. That's a good way to coat all that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Perfect. So, yeah, that's essentially DOS. Yeah. And DOS is really what was used to charge uh, most people. Like, that's really where the sex trafficking charges came from, the yeah. racketeering, that the forced labor, mm-hmm. um, all of those charges stemmed from DOS. Yeah, that was really the tipping point for Nexium. Yeah. That's where people were like, all right, we're going to have to take you people to jail. Yep. Because Claire Bronfman actually held a girl 
Now, this was in Seduced. It wasn't talked about in the vow. Mm -hmm. She held a girl captive in her fucking house for two years. Yeah. What in the fuck? Mm -hmm. This girl, her parents were very invested in Nexium. Yeah. And this girl, she, I don't know what she even did. She just, I think she was probably asking questions or probably. rebelling against her parents. Yeah. She was, like, underage, too. Yeah. When it started. Fucking A, dude. Just keeping her in a room. <laughs> I was, like, shocked. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You just have a random girl locked in your house? Fucking A. Oh, my God. So, the next group that is... I don't want to say as disturbing, but almost equally disturbing to Doss. It's definitely equally, it's definitely more disturbing than Jeunesse. Yes. It's probably like Jeunesse and then SOP and then Doss. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. So SOP stood for the Society of Protectors. <sighs> the name alone. I can protect my damn self. This one was for men. Of course. According to Rolling Stone, the Society of Protectors was founded in 2011. Former member Mark Vicente, who is a great fucking guy. He's such a good guy. I just want to give him a really big hug. He did a lot. I mean, almost all of the filming. Yeah. Throughout his experience with Nexium, And he was a really close friend of Keith. Yeah. Um, and his wife actually left Nexium before he did because yeah. he didn't want to believe this shit. Yeah. So anyways, um, former member Mark Vicente, who is featured in the vow, testified that the group's intention was to, quote, build character and turn its members, quote, from little boys into men. Which never happens, by the way. <laughs> The SOP members had to provide collateral to belong to the group, which usually included sums of money, um, sometimes as high as 1500 bucks. Can we just talk about why collateral for SOP is money and collateral for DOS is fucking nude photos and made up dirt on your fucking family? It's... Well, because, you know, women are pieces of shit, according to Keith Ranieri. Uh, yes. So. You know, they're irresponsible. They're That's self-centered. Why. Um, uh, Vicente claimed that if members did what they were supposed to do, they got the money back. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. No, thanks. Um, if not, they didn't. Ejected. You're ejected. <sighs> SOP members also participated in readiness drills. Which is also something they did in DOS. Yes. Like, in DOS... They, the master would text their little slaves in a, a group chat. And if they didn't respond in like one minute or some shit. It was very, yeah, it was a small window. They got punished. Yeah. They would have to like fast for the whole day or they would have to do like wall sits or yeah, something like that. Yeah, shit like that. Yeah. Um, And these readiness drills were supposed to keep them on alert in case that they were ever needed in an emergency. You're not going to be fucking needed. So, 
basically the idea was to leave no man behind. Um, and that came from Vicente. Which is like a, a military idea. So really Keith Ranieri is creating a group and he's trying to train them and militarize their minds. Yeah. That's, I mean, watching those videos, I don't know. It's just like this weird experience. You're like, what in the fuck is yeah. happening in this room? Yeah, it's so weird. There is eventually a series of SOP trainings that are for the women. Oh. And so they kind of started intermingling. Not DOS and SOP, just SOP as in women and men. Yeah. Um, they were supposed to be classes to help men and women understand one another better. But they turned out to be incredibly fucking sinister. Oh, yeah. <sighs> It takes on that Stanford prison experiment vibe, and it has been so long since I've watched that, and I really need to sit down and watch that again. Yeah, the um, there's the experiment, a film with Adrian Brody. Mm-hmm. It is like a Hollywood version of the Stanford prison experiment, yeah. and it's really good, but it's fucking hard to watch. I bet. Um, but all of this is kind of like off of the idea from Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Such a good book. It makes, I think in Lord of the Flies, because instead of using like grown adults, it's children. Yeah. So it makes it like a lot more sinister. Right. Because it's kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, oh, it's so sad. It like really upsets me when I, I read have, that book. I read Lord of the Flies. Well, like sophomore year probably. Maybe like freshman year. Freshman year? Yeah. So it's been a minute. Yeah. So basically the men would be in charge and the women would be required to obey every command of the men. Now keep in mind, this is happening within a group in a room. Yeah. This isn't some one-on-one shit. And this has happened in the last 10 years. Yeah. So let's just contextualize that a bit. Yeah. Um, the men would humiliate, sexually harass, and psychologically abuse the women. And also keep in mind, at this point, most of these people had been in Nexium for years. Yes. And so Keith was... Basically easing them into these ideas that he had. Yes. That this is what men are like. This is what women are like. These are exercises that I have created. And everyone loved the science behind Keith's ideas, his classes, his what the fuck ever. Mm -hmm. And so even if this gave off a weird vibe to people, they probably didn't think anything else now there are people that are like yeah like it was a little weird but like we got it you know like yeah we understood why we were doing it which is so weird because keith ranieri's whole idea especially like in a lot of the footage that is shown of him speaking to sop Mm -hmm. is his bit his biggest thing is like Growing up, little boys are taught that girls are supposed to be protected and they're like the princess and boys have to set, little boys have to set their selves aside, their desires aside in order to protect this, this little girl. And I'm like, what the fuck ever? I grew up with two brothers Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, we stand up for each other as siblings. Like, 
you're not going to talk shit on my brother. I can talk shit on my brother, but if you do, we're not fucking having it. But my brothers were fucking mean to me. They shot me with freaking paintball guns just like they shot each other. Like, I wasn't a little princess that was held up on a pedestal. Yeah, and so this is where Keegan and I really started talking about this. Because, obviously, as a man and a woman watching this together, we're both like, what in the fuck? Yes. But we did kind of come to the agreement. Now, I'm obviously not speaking about every parent. But I do think girls should be raised with a little more sense of, you know, power, strength, independence. And boys should be raised with a little bit more, you know... It's okay to be emotional. Like, you don't have to be fucking awesome all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. you can cry. Because to some extent, that kind of is how it is. Well, and I think also what that is doing is combating what they're going to see about themselves in mainstream culture. Right. Like, Boys are going to constantly see themselves portrayed on TV, in movies, as strong mm-hmm. and uber-masculine, non-emotional. Right. And women are going to see themselves portrayed as needing to be protected. Yeah. And being in the shadow of a man. Right. And... Being the perfect wife, being, the perfect mother. Yes. Yes. Being a mother and a wife. Yeah. Now, we obviously are making strides where we're seeing women as a businesswoman, yeah. women as a powerful boss bitch, mm-hmm. but that's still not the majority. Yeah. So whenever I buy shit for my nieces, I like to buy shirts that say, like, independent. Yeah. You know, I want my nieces to grow up and be like, fuck yeah, I study science. Yeah. Yes, I am a girl in science because I've had that experience where a teacher said, no, Science is your weakness. You shouldn't be a doctor. Yeah. Instead of saying, work on science, they said, nah, you're good at English. Yeah. And it, it fucked me up. I'm 30 and I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that it is really off balance. It is. So, I don't know. Obviously, this was taken way out of context. Yeah. Um, he's He's got a complex... He's got a fucking oh, complex. Oh, fucking And he has some sort of weird disdain, hatred for women. Yeah. And that's oh, clear. Deep. Deep-seated disdain for women. And that is just written all over everything he does. Yeah. Now, in Seduced, India Oxenberg actually tells a story about how she wore a pair of pink Converse to one of the SOP classes. And one of the men told her... That when she wears those shoes, it makes him want to fuck her. Oh my god, when I saw that part, I was... I was literally like, huh? Then he made it seem like it was her fault that he has to deal with those feelings. Yeah. So, and I will say, Vicente, who was a big part of SOP. Right. Who obviously got sucked in, Mm -hmm. like most of these people did. At one point in The Vow, he straight up says, no one joins a cult. Yeah. And that is 100% correct. No one fucking joins a cult. Like, obviously him looking back 
at what he was involved in. He feels completely fucking ashamed. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty always. Right. And at the time, like, it just made sense. But especially with SOP, these men were obviously taking it to the next level mm-hmm. because they were fucking told to. Yeah, and... You know, the people who are in these very, like, niche subgroups, they've gone through all of the ESP trainings. They've done the intensives. Right. And a lot of the intensives center around relationships of men and women. So they've already been through these classes that are ingraining them slowly with this idea of a man as a protector and a woman as somebody who is narcissistic and yep. cast themselves as a victim. So the men have been trained in that and so have the women. Yep. So you get to this part of SOP where the men and women are in it together and both of them are accepting those roles because it's already ingrained and indoctrinated into them. Yeah. So they accept it because it's already there. Right. And that's literal science behind that. Yes. That's what, you know, a couple of the experts have said. It's that indoctrination and part part that's part of that's what we saw in the Children of God cult as well. Yeah. Uh it's probably a theme in a lot of cult scenarios, Absolutely. indoctrination because then people don't ask why they're yeah. being told to do something. Yeah, cuz the big question with cults is like, well, why the fuck would anyone want to do this? Yeah. Well, They're not carrying around a sign that says, hey, come join my sex cult. Yeah, they're not, like, bringing people in in day one saying, all right, we're going to brand you with our initials. Yeah, we're a fucking cult. We're going to make you send us nude photos, and eventually you're going to have to fuck the founder of this cult. So, no, that would never fly. No. (laughs) No. Yeah. So, there's that. That story about her in the shoes really hit home because I'm a converse wearer. Like, I, I have gray Converse, but uh, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think I literally looked at Keegan, or at least I thought this in my head. I was like, they're fucking tennis shoes. I don't care if she was wearing six-inch high stilettos with fishnets. No, no. Yeah, it just, it goes back to that whole idea of, like, rape culture. Exactly. Like, let's blame the victim. Let's let's blame her for wearing something revealing. Yeah. It's like, fuck but, you. You know? Uh, Maybe I work out a lot and I want to show off this six-pack. I don't, and I don't have one. <laughs> but uh, if I had one, yeah. I would wear a, a happy every day of my life. Yeah. Like, look at this six-pack. <sighs> and you know what? Uh, you shouldn't be so outrageous as to feel the need to gratify yourself sexually every time you see any bit of skin on the opposite sex. Yeah, my God. At this point, it's what, 2010-ish? Yeah, it's- 2000, mid-2010s? Yeah. I- Have- What? If you were aroused that easily- Please seek medical professionals. Yeah. Because that's a that's a health issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. And so, again, your fault. You're the one aroused. I'm not doing shit. Goddamn, dude. I know. Fucking shit. So, the defectors, a.k.a. the people that fucking left Nexium, um, that appear in The Vow and Seduced, 
and helped the FBI and testified against Ranieri, Sarah Edmondson, India Oxenberg, Mark Vicente, Bonnie, and Nippy. Um, now, Nippy is Sarah's husband, mm-hmm. and Bonnie is Mark's wife. Right. Barbara Boucher and Kristen Keefe. So, fucking shout out to all those people. Yeah, super brave because... And um, India's mom. And India's mom. Yes. She technically couldn't... Wasn't, like, a defector. She did um, go to a couple Nexium training classes, but she yeah. was never in... She's she was like, never in for me. Yeah. yeah. She was never, like, in it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Sarah Edmondson, Mark Vicente, Bonnie, Nippy, Barbara Boucher, and Kristen Keefe, um, they all were, they all got out of Nexium pretty, like, several years before um, all of the allegations came out. Yeah. So, it was, like, great personal risk yeah. when they got out. Absolutely. So, that's, like, super brave. Well, they fucking had to move. They had to move, yeah. They were trying to sue Sarah Edmondson for stealing money. Yeah. Um, Because she actually ran a Nexium Center in... Canada. In Canada. And they actually filed a lawsuit against her for stealing money. Mm-hmm. So, she had serious shit going on because of just because of getting out of nexium yeah um so we're gonna go through some of the charges i know we already went through the charges but we're gonna talk about some more in depth for ranieri and for allison mack so keith ranieri was charged and found guilty of sexual exploitation of a child and possession of child pornography with regard to a minor victim who has been called Camilla. Um, Camilla was 15 years old and Ranieri 45 when he first sexually abused her. In her testimony, she talked about his psychological manipulation of her, which is his trademark. Yeah. And how he separated her from her family and friends and made himself her only resource, which is very similar to what he does to all of the high-ranking members of Nexium. Yes. Like, India Oxenberg. Right. She and her mom were, like, completely estranged, and her mom was, like, working her ass off to, to get her out. Yeah. That's what you see in, like, all of the latter episodes of The Vow. She's just, like, hustling, hustling, because she knows that her daughter is, like, in danger. Absolutely. Um... He tried to control her weight. So Keith Ranieri liked his women way f- thin. Yeah. <laughs> which you can see in the progression of the tapes shown on The Vow and on Seduce. Like, progressively, especially like India and Allison Mack, how progressively thin they get. Yeah, and how, like, unhealthy women especially start looking. Yeah, so unhealthy. He... Told her he wanted her to weigh 100 pounds or less and asked her her weight every day. The fuck? Dude. A hundred pounds or less. I think it's probably been 15 years since I weighed 100 pounds. Um, oh, 
It's probably my eight-year-old son weighs 70 pounds. Yeah. That's normal. That's normal. And he's normal weight, normal height. Yeah. Imagine a 15-year-old girl weighing 100 pounds or less. When I was 15, so I'm 5'8". When I was 15 years old, I probably weighed 130 pounds, 135 pounds, which for someone 5'8", your goal, like, weight range is between, like, 138 and 165. Yeah. So I was a little under what I should have weighed, probably. I may not have been fully 5'8 at that point. I might have been Mm -hmm. less. But, I mean. I just recently found out that I'm actually 5'5". Are you? You don't for, seem three inches shorter than me. For my whole adult life, when doctors or whatever, I mean, I guess they take your height and weight. But if I'm ever asked, like, my height, I say 5'6". Mm-hmm. But Keegan measured me the other day. He's like, bro, you're 5'5". Five five. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, there's no way I'm 5'5". Five five. Yeah. I don't feel that short. I don't know. My mom must be, like, 5'4". If taller- you're 5'5". Five five, she has to be like five four. Yeah, I'm taller than my mom and one of my sisters. Mm-hmm. I'm the shortest one of my whole family. I'm just well, my really... siblings. I'm taller than my mom. I'm just really worried about that one inch that I've been off for years, dude. I mean, it's I don't know why when you go to the doctor as an adult, when they do your height and weight, they fucking tell you how much you weigh, they but never... not how tall you are. Every time I go to the doctor and get weighed, I weigh way more at the doctor than I do on my scale here. Dude, the last time I got weighed at the doctor, I was like, whoa, that's like way off from the scale at work. The lady was like, don't ever trust those scales. And I was like, wow. I'm the scales at the doctor's now. office? No. Oh. Outside of the doctor's office. Well, you can, like, our scale here, Dakota got that scale, like, specifically it's an expensive scale i'm not gonna step on it (laughs) okay sure you do not have to weigh yourself today we're this is not a weigh-in day i would like you to measure my height so i can prove keegan wrong (laughs) oh shit um so yeah not only is keith ranieri just fucking disgusting on normal levels he's also a child molester fuck and has child pornography. Oh, it just, the layers, they just keep coming and he just keeps getting worse. It's like worse an onion. And worse. Worse and worse with every layer. You know, and this was no Brad Pitt, okay? Yeah, he's not like an attractive man. Not that it would make a difference. No, it would not change it. But how is he not grossing people out is the question. Right. And they all kissed each other on the lips. Men, women, anytime they would greet Keith, they kissed each other on the mouth. That's fucking weird. The only person that I kiss on the mouth is Dakota. Because we are in a relationship together. I don't kiss my mom on the mouth. We bump cheeks. (laughs) Like Europeans. And, like, my nieces and nephews, they always, because they're children, they go for the mouth. Yeah. So My kid, I mean, yeah. Sometimes you just can't avoid it when a three-year-old is running full sprint at you, <laughs> puckered up. You just can't not kiss them on the lips. But like, Jameson, when he leaves people, he's like, can I have a kiss? I'm like, stop doing this to people. <laughs> 
Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, or like, shit. my youngest niece, Jericho, she like, she offers you her bottom lip. That's it. She comes out at you, bottom lip out. She calls it hone hones. Because I don't know why. I mean, my sisters are Hawaiian. But I don't know if that's a Hawaiian term. Please let me know. Anybody listening from Hawaii. Um, but, yeah, she calls it hone hones. I don't, I don't know why. But whatever. So, yeah, the lip, the kissing on the lips thing is weird as shit. I've never kissed any of my friends. Ever. No. In any, not even like a cheek kiss with my friends. I'm not even a, I, okay. I'm not a hugger either. <laughs> I'm just a, not a toucher. So. <laughs> I don't like to be touched. Let's click. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on now. That's. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. So. His next charge is sex trafficking of, quote-unquote, Nicole. Most of these names have been changed because they're names of victims. Right. Some people on the documentaries are even, like, their faces aren't shown. Yeah. So, um, lots going into protecting the identities of these victims. Um, Sex trafficking of, quote, Nicole. Attempted sex trafficking of, quote, Jay. Identity theft against Edgar Bronfman. James Luperfito, Ashana Chinoa, quote, Mariana, and Pam Crafitz, trafficking for labor and services of, quote, Daniela, and forced labor of, quote, Nicole, conspiracy to alter records for use in an official proceeding, and finally, sex trafficking conspiracy, forced labor conspiracy, racketeering conspiracy, and wire fraud conspiracy. So it seems like with most of the charges, they were charged with the crime and the conspiracy to commit the crime because of the planning that went into committing the crime, Mm -hmm. which is typically how it goes, I believe. I'm trying to place myself back in a second semester criminal law. I think if crimes like these are committed with two or more people, they're going to tack on a conspiracy Mm. charge because these people have made a plan and then taken an action to put that plan in motion. Thus, conspiracy. All right. So those are all the charges for Keith Ranieri. And as a reminder, he was sentenced in October 2020. Received 120 years. He is going to be in prison for the rest of his life, which, thank fucking God. Yeah. Because this man does not need to be out in the public. Nope. Absolutely not. Because inevitably, he would just do something else similar. Yeah. He just would. Yeah. Because even before he started Nexium, he had another pyramid scheme type of business. Right. Which fucking failed. Yeah. And he had lawsuits and he had to pay fines and all of that. So he clearly has a pattern Mm -hmm. and would definitely reoffend. So Allison Mack had a laundry list of charges as well. I think um, at the end of the day, when everything was exposed, she turned out to be like the second 
in not necessarily second in command, but second to Keith Raniere with the conspiracy to do all of these things. Like yeah. she was his right hand person mm-hmm. with most of the shit he did. Right. Whereas like Nancy Salzman, she was charged, but I don't think Nancy Salzman was actually involved in DOS. No. Or any of that. Lauren Salzman was. Nancy, I don't think, I don't know if she knew about it even. I don't know. Because she was and I talked about that. Yeah, it, it's very unclear. She wasn't involved. Yeah. Um, And she wasn't ever charged with anything in relation to DOS. Yeah. But did she know? Did she not know? It's very hard to say. Right. And if she knew, what could she have what, done about yeah, it? Yeah, what was she going to do if she did know? So Allison Mack was charged with identity theft, extortion, which would have been the collateral, mm-hmm. forced labor, sex trafficking, money laundering, wire fraud, and obstruction of justice. She eventually pleads guilty and gets a lesser charge. I think she actually pleads guilty to racketeering. Yeah. Which I'm not totally sure what racketeering is. Let's see. Shall um, we? We, yeah, we're going to go ahead and Google racketeering in the meantime. As we said earlier, Alice Mack pled guilty in 2019, but she's still awaiting sentencing. And she's not incarcerated at the moment. She is currently required to be under house arrest at her parents' home in California, I believe. So she she's just chilling. Yeah. At her parents' house. Because she posted a $5 million bond, so. Fucking A. Yeah. So, racketeering, and I know I've heard this before. Yeah, it's a term that you hear a lot with, like, the crime families yeah. and the mafia. Racketeering is dishonest and fraudulent business dealings. Okay, so super vague. Yeah. An example, or examples of racketeering include criminal operations such as illegal gambling, prostitution Uh rings, drug trafficking, counterfeiting, embezzlement, and extortion. Okay. Yeah. So it's like one of those blanket terms. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, they're doing hella racketeering in Nexium. Yeah. (laughs) So that really kind of sums it up on Nexium. That's the skinny. Yeah. I highly recommend everyone go watch The Vow. Super, super well-produced. It's on HBO. Yes. And Seduced is on Stars. And you can you can find it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Which is where I watched it. There is so much information mm-hmm. on those. Yeah. Both of those are super good. There is also a podcast season from Uncover called Escaping Nexium. Mm-hmm. And this came out a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So this was before all the the the, the court proceedings for all yeah. this shit. Very, very good. I remember when I listened to that, and I had listened to it shortly after it came out a few years ago, and I was like, there's a, there's a fucking present day cult? Yeah. Like, right now? It's always surprising when they're recent. Like, yeah. Like, Children of God was in the 70s, so right. you're like, oh, of course. Yeah. So... Definitely watch those. We could probably sit here and talk about this for fucking hours. Oh, yeah. It's so, it's just so, it goes so deep. Yeah. And it also harks back to our Children of God episode. 
which is episode two. You should give that a listen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a girl who's called Naomi in the doc. She was actually born into the Children of God cult. Yeah. So she was in it as a child and then as an adult becomes a member of Nexium. Right. Unknowingly. Unknowingly, she's lived in two cults in her life. How yeah. wild is that? That's so fucking crazy. So crazy. That just shows how good these people were at hooking people. Absolutely. Because you know that this person had her like antennas up yeah. looking for signs of a cult. And uh, yeah. they didn't expose themselves until she was way too far in. Yeah, absolutely. That is, I remember when that popped up, I was like, no fucking way. Yeah. I like, I literally had to like send it to you because yeah. I was like, holy shit, that's y- crazy. Yeah. Both docs were done so well. And both are from this year. Yeah, both are this year. Um, Seduced is all about India Oxenberg. Yeah, she's kind of like a, like a host a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, telling her story. Telling her story and also interviewing other right. people. And The Vow explains very well the beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely check those out. Both of them are really good. Really informative. I'm glad I watched The Vow first and I knew the structure of Nexium, and then watched Seduced so I could see more of the underbelly. Right. Because you get shots in Seduced of Keith saying things like, uh, prepare yourselves. I could f- rape a baby and abuse is a human construct. What the fuck? Yeah. He says so much outlandish shit. And you get those clips in Seduced. Yeah. It gets, it definitely gets darker in it, Seduced. Yes. It's much darker. It's a big dive into DOS. Yeah. So. It is. It is. So it's a good one. Check that one out. Very good. Um, sources will be in the app description as per usual. I am very proud of us for doing this in under two hours. Yeah, yeah. We were really worried, guys. Yeah, we were super worried that this was going to be way longer. So here we are. Here we are. Um, Yeah, so that's it. We kind of gave our opinions throughout, obviously. Yeah. Um, So. It's hard not to, man. Yeah, yeah. Some things you just have a really visceral reaction to. And this is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. We're going to. Do our usual shout outs to Haley and Ariel. I almost like mashed their names together. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Haley, artwork. Ariel, music. They're the talented crew around here. And I'm so glad we got our first email. Gonna need some more of those to come in. Yeah. Um, up. Our email is what if I told you podcast at gmail.com gmail um follow us on instagram and facebook our instagram is at what if i told you pod mm-hmm. facebook is what if i told you podcast hey yo you'll be able to stay up to date on our episode releases we have actually ordered some t-shirts and hoodies for ourselves we will 
be modeling those so you'll get to see the our, merch we bought ourselves. Yes. And you'll also get your first glimpse of Emily and I. Yeah. We have not featured any pictorials of ourselves on socials. No. So it'll be the big reveal. <laughs> Dakota's going <laughs> to come up in here. He's going to snap some action shots. We have to finish our pod room. Yeah, it's the it's, vibe. It's currently the Christmas corner right now. I it's got fine. shit everywhere. It's fine. We so, might get a few snaps of the pod dogs walking yes. around. The pod dogs, little babies. Yeah. You guys heard them on episode two. two. So, yeah, guys. Yeah. We, uh, we're going to sign this one off. Hopefully this edits down a little. There's some edits, but. I mean, if not, it's not too bad. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like it's interesting enough to be long. It's amazing how many pauses you're taking out. Oh yeah. So many pauses. And that adds up. You know, it, it does really, really add up. Hell yeah. All right. Well, um, it's been real and. We've had an emotional roller coaster. We've been mad. We've been surprised. And we've been mad again. So we're going to go cool down. And we'll catch you on our next one. In the meantime, I'm going to need all of you to be kind out there. And stay weird. Bye. Bye.